I'd like to wish you all a very blessed new year and to thank you for all your support of St. Isidore's in 2021, um, especially with the beautification projects that, that we did for our 20th anniversary, um, which I, I think transformed the place to a certain degree, um, and still a few of those to be done. We have this new year, 2022, um, stretching before us, and I, there's, there's really two things that I hope we can accomplish in this year here at St. Isidore's. Um, the first thing is, is that we would install, finally install, our rose window. As you know, um, in 2021, I, I think we collected around $80,000 towards the, that rose window. And uh, that's not all the money that we will need, but I think it's definitely enough money for us to uh, move forward with the project and, God willing, get that done. And, and this year, what a, what a great thing that would be for our church. And then secondly, to um, complete our master plan, um, to finalize our master plan, which would be a plan for the campus, the use of this 18 acres, um, where, what buildings we would want to put on the campus in the years to come and where they would go, um, and also to start a, a fund to, to um, collect, start collecting money so that we can build those buildings eventually here um, at St. Isidore. So those, those are the two things I think, um, in my mind, we, we definitely want to make happen in 2022. So today is, is Holy Name Sunday, and um, it's the special Sunday for the Holy Name Society. Right after the sermon, we will have the ceremony for the induction of seven new members into the Holy Name Society. Please pray for these men, um, and then after the Mass, they will have the monthly meeting. Tomorrow, there will be the funeral for Mr. Arthur Crow. That will take place at 2 p.m. So there will be a reception of the body at 1, uh, rosary at 1.30, and then the funeral at 2. After the funeral, there will be a reception in the basement. It will be a potluck um, reception, so um, you're, everybody is welcome. If you, if you do come, please bring a side dish or a dessert. This Friday is the first Friday of the month, and we will have our first Friday holy hour at 6.30. Then that Saturday, um, there will be a third order meeting for third order members after the 8 a.m. Mass this coming Saturday. The next Sunday, we, we have a very special occasion where we will have a uh, newly ordained priest visiting us, um, Father Mikhail del Rosario. He will be ordained priest, God willing, this Thursday at the seminary in Virginia. He's originally from the Philippines, and then his family immigrated to New Zealand. And he completed his training at Holy Cross Seminary in Australia, but they were not able to get a bishop in to ordain him and his classmate, Philip Mujic. And so they had to, to, to uh, ship them to Virginia where Bishop Lay is resident. Um, I was able to attend his diaconate ordination on December 21st, and he will be ordained a priest along with his classmate and also an American candidate. They, all three of them will be ordained this Thursday. And then um, Father Dale Rosario will be making his first stop uh, here in Denver. And so it's an occasion for us to 
um, have a first mass. A first mass is, is, is basically not the first mass of the priest, but the first mass he says, first public mass he says at a given place. And also at that time, he gives first blessings. So it's the first blessing that you receive from a newly ordained priest. And so he gives you a blessing. And then also it's the, the custom to kiss his hands. So you, you show your veneration for the priesthood by kissing his uh, newly consecrated hands. So you'll have the opportunity to receive a first blessing after both the 7 o'clock Mass and the 9 o'clock Mass next Sunday. Just a few more announcements. There will be an Ashende recollection a week from Tuesday on January the 11th. And then the, the uh, General House of the Society of St. Pius X um, in Menzingen, Switzerland, has, has asked that all the priors of, of the Society of St. Pius X uh, say a Mass for the intentions of their parish on the Sundays and Holy Days. And, and so um, whenever... I'm saying Mass, whatever Mass I'm saying on Sunday, you should just know that that Mass is for you. Um, and there'll also be a Mass once a month for uh, the deceased benefactors of the parish. The epistle for this Feast of the Holy Name of Jesus is taken from the Acts of the Apostles. In those days, Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, you princes of the people and ancients here, if we this day are examined concerning the good deed done to the infirm man, by what means he has been made whole, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, even by him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the second chapter of the gospel of St. Luke. At that time, after eight days were accomplished that the child should be circumcised, his name was called Jesus, which was called by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, sometimes you'll find people who object to the term traditional Catholic. They say, well, every Catholic should be a traditional Catholic. Traditional Catholic is kind of redundant. A Catholic, by his very nature, is traditional. The role of the Catholic is to adhere to the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and to faithfully pass those teachings on to the next generation. That is the word from in Latin, traditio, means simply a handing down. And because we are a faith where we believe we've been given a revelation by God himself at a certain discrete moment in time, what we have to do is not to sort of reinvent our religion in every generation, but we just have to remain faithful to what was given to us 2,000 years ago. That is our role. Unfortunately, however, this has not been done so well in the past 60 years. We may say that focus on maintaining faithfully that deposit of faith that was given to us by our Lord and staying true to our Catholic identity and to what Catholics have always been has not been done faithfully by the churchmen since Vatican II. 
And that's why traditional Catholics, so-called traditional Catholics, have sort of stuck out uh, like a sore thumb in, in that time, and why this, this new phrase has, has appeared, um, to distinguish those who seem to be very focused on maintaining what was given to us in the past, maintaining that Catholic identity, as opposed to those who believe that the Catholic religion needs to be adapted to the so-called needs of modern man. And, well, we are here today because we, we believe that this is extremely important, that, that we have to maintain our traditions, that, that this is the only way to save our souls and be authentic followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, we try to hold on to the traditions. First of all, tradition with a big T, and that would mean the beliefs, the dogmas, the, the articles of faith that were given to us by our Lord, the articles of the creed. We must believe the truths, the same truths that have always been believed in the history of the church. But also, we, we must adhere to the same worship. We must uh, worship God authentically according to the manner of worship that he has established. That's what we may call tradition with a big T. But there's also traditions with a small T, and these traditions with a small T are not necessarily um, of the essence of the faith, but they are things that we do that assist us to maintain the traditions with a big T. Um, there are certain practices that we do that manifest, manifest our faith in a certain way. For example, during Christmas time, we follow the practice of St. Francis of Assisi of having a creche, uh, where we have a, a replica of, of, of the infant Jesus here, and we, and we we venerate, we make this little shrine to the child Jesus. We, we hang up uh, a, a wreath in, in various places. We have evergreen garlands and evergreen trees to represent uh, the eternal nature of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has become incarnate in time. And these things are not absolutely necessary to be Catholic. Um, if you go to a church and they don't have these things, you wouldn't say, well, they don't have the faith. But they are certain things that assist us to maintain faith in the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're little T traditions that assist us to maintain the big T tradition, which would be that belief that he is God. And the reason why I bring this up is that today, we, on this, on this feast of the holy name of our Lord, we are maintaining one of those small T traditions of the church, and that is the um, existence of the Holy Name Society, and hopefully the existence of the Holy Name Society in the same spirit in which it was founded. The Holy Name Society is a small T tradition of the church, but one that goes back many centuries. It was, in fact, started in the 13th century. At that time, there were various heretics in the church that went by the name of Albigensians, and one of the things that they denied of the faith was precisely the divinity of our Lord. And because they did not believe that our Lord is God, they didn't, consequently did not have a proper respect for our Lord. And they did not hesitate to blaspheme and misuse the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Pope at that time, Gregory X, he had the standard, authentic, common sense, Catholic response that has been maintained throughout the ages, that when there is a certain heresy that appears in the church, there's a certain article of faith that is being attacked, what should we do? 
should we say to the heretics, I respect your different opinion, the fact that you don't believe the same way that we do on this matter. Let you explain to me why you believe what you believe. I'll explain to you why I believe what I believe. That's not the authentic Catholic response. The authentic Catholic response is they are denying this truth of faith. We need, as far as possible, to accentuate and manifest our belief in this truth of the faith. For one thing, to make it clear, very clear to everybody, this is what we believe as Catholics. For another thing, to preserve people from this error which will destroy their soul. So Pope Gregory X had this authentic Catholic response. There were two things that he did, and both of them are expressed in a letter he wrote to the Superior General of the Dominican Order. You might know that the Dominicans, St. Dominic, were the foremost fighters against this heresy of Albigensianism. And so when Pope Gregory X was thinking about how do we stop these Albigensians and their blasphemies that they're speaking all the time against the holy name of our Lord, the natural thing for him was to turn to the Dominican order. And so we wrote a letter to the superior general, Blessed John of Vercelli, at the time, and he said, among other things, the following. We have judged it proper to persuade the faithful to demonstrate more reverence for that name above all names, the only name in which we claim salvation, the name of Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us from the bondage of sin. Consequently, in view of obeying that apostolic precept, in the name of Jesus, let every knee be bent, we wish that at the holy sacrifice, everyone would bow his head in token that interiorly he bends the knee of his heart. Wherefore, my very dear son, we, by our apostolic authority, exhort and enjoin upon you and the brothers of your order to use solid reason in preaching to the people that they may be led to comply with our desires. Thus you will win the crown of justice in the day of recompense. So you see in these words two measures that the, the Holy Pope is taking. One thing that he's doing is he's instituting a new, a new small T tradition in order to maintain the big T tradition of respect for our Lord. He's saying that at Mass, when you're at Mass, like when we had two times just now in the Gloria, when the name of our Lord is sung or pronounced, you bow your head in reverence for his holy name. You show respect for his holy name. And he references the quote from Philippians, where St. Paul says that at the name of our Lord, every knee should bow. And so you, you, you bow your, your head to indicate that you're bowing your heart in reverence to our Lord. And then the second thing that he does is he says, I entrust to, to you, John Vercelli, the superior general of the Dominican order, this mission of promoting devotion to the holy name, asking people to have more reverence for the holy name of our Lord because of the fact that less reverence is being given to that name by the heretics. So following the reception of the Pope's letter, Blessed John of Vercelli immediately instructed his whole order to carry out the will of the Holy Father. And a new devotion to the name of our Lord was begun across Europe. There were many altars that were erected in Dominican churches. You know, we have side altars 
at churches and you can have them in honors of, of, of certain saints or certain devotions. Well, altars started to be erected in honor of the holy name of our Lord. And additionally, the Dominicans started a new confraternity, the confraternity of the holy name, which, as I say, we continue to this day, even in the 21st century, the holy name society. So a confraternity is basically an association of, of lay people and clerics that is focused on a specific devotion, a specific Catholic devotion. It's wanting to foster that Catholic devotion by acts of piety, um, by spiritual and corporal works of mercy. And these confraternities, there are many different confraternities in the church, but they exist um, primarily for the sanctification of the members of the church. So you come to church and you're a Catholic, but you're saying to yourself, I don't just want to come to Mass on Sundays. I want to do more to sanctify myself. Is there something available to me? And the church says, yes, there is. You can join this group, which has certain obligations, and when you fulfill these obligations, you will sanctify yourself and you will assist yourself to save your soul. You're going to be more likely to save your soul if you're a member of this confraternity, and you do the things that are required of the members. So being a member of a confraternity such as the Holy Name Society helps inspire the members to do certain spiritual activities that will draw graces down upon them and help them save their souls. And at the same time, of course, they will do very important work for the promotion of the honor due to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me just mention the 11 obligations that are required of the Holy Name uh, Society members. They're not required under pain of sin, but they are asked to, to strive as earnestly as possible to fulfill them. And when we see these 11 obligations, I hope you will, you will realize how that anyone who was a member of the Holy Name Society and strove to follow, fulfill these obligations would be sanctified by doing so. And let me just mention that, that these obligations, which are part of the rule of the Holy Name Society, that this rule was approved by Pope Pius IV back in the 1500s. So the first five obligations are related to the second commandment. Obviously, the Holy Name Society, uh, the, the members are going to try to be experts or extra virtuous in the fulfillment of the second commandment. Thou shalt respect the name of the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So the first obligation is to labor for the glory of God's name and to make it known to those who are ignorant of it. Secondly, never to pronounce the name of Jesus disrespectfully. Third, to avoid blasphemy, perjury, profane, and indecent language. Four, to induce their neighbors to refrain from all insults against God and his saints and from profane and unbecoming language. And then five, to remonstrate with those who blaspheme or use profane language in their presence. This, the rule says, must be governed by zeal, prudence, and common sense. So the first duty of the Holy Name members is to Practice the second commandment as perfectly as possible. Even those things that don't directly concern dishonoring the name of our Lord, but in their use of speech, to speak well, to speak as Catholic men. 
The next two obligations concern the third commandment. The third commandment, thou shalt keep holy the Lord's day, also concerns respect to our Lord, and so it finds its way into the rule of the Holy Name members. Number six, never to work or carry on business unnecessarily on Sunday. Number seven, to do all they can to induce their dependents to sanctify the Sunday. And then the final four obligations of the members concern their activities in the Holy Name Society. To attend regularly the meetings and devotional exercises of the Society, to communicate as a body on the Feast of the Holy Name, and on the regular Communion Sundays. So this is the second Sunday of the month. You might notice the second Sunday of the month, the Holy Name members process in and they receive Communion together um, as the first to receive. Number 10, to have a Requiem Mass said sometime in the year for the deceased members of the Holy Name Society. We do that here on November the 2nd. And then lastly, to have a meeting every second Sunday of the month, which we also do here at Cena's Adores. So we have many chapters of the Holy Name Society around the world, um, even in Albury, New South Wales, Australia. I remember our chapter there and this little mission chapel we have there in Australia. And we try to continue this Holy Name Society in the same spirit in which it was founded. Because unfortunately, like so many uh, other organizations in the church today, um, the, the true spirit of the society has been derailed by the new ideas that have come in with the Second Vatican Council. When you have new ideas, a different thinking, it's necessarily going to affect every aspect of the life of the church. And the Holy Name Society has especially been affected by the false ideas of religious liberty and ecumenism. Um, the, the idea that every man has a right to choose whatever religion he wants, whatever way he wants to worship God, and the idea that men can be saved in any religion whatsoever. Instead of, we can only be saved by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church. So, because of these false ideas and, and their implementation in the Holy Name Society, you have things going on in the Holy Name Society like in the Philippines. So, it's, it's the, the practice uh, generally, to have a, natural, uh, a national convention of the Holy Name Society in each country. And in 2020, in the Philippines, they had such a convention for the Holy Name Society, and the theme was one with the church in promoting ecumenism and interreligious dialogue. And when they have such a convention, surely they're not going to be saying that according to this first obligation of the Holy Name members to make the name of our Lord known to those who are ignorant of it, to tell them to go out and let many, as many people as possible to know with zeal and prudence and common sense that there is no name under heaven by which men can be saved but the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we want the members to do because it's the truth. You can't be saved without our Lord. But the spirit of ecumenism and interreligious dialogue wants to say that you can be saved by any name, by Allah, by Yahweh, by wh whatever name you choose to worship God under, you can be saved in that name. And so that authentic spirit of the Holy Name Society is derailed. Secondly, we have continued the tradition of having membership in the Holy Name Society open only to men. Now the Holy Name Society also allows women 
into it. Surely this is the influence of the spirit of the world, which wants to believe that, that God has not created two genders in which he has given to each of them specific roles, and he's given to them specific characteristics. And so it's simply natural for men to do certain things and for women to do, to do certain things. Now we want men to, to bear babies and, and stay at home and watch their kids, and, and we, want, we want women to build skyscrapers and do mixed martial arts or whatever. And, and so we're, we're missing the beautiful plan that God has arranged for men and women. And it's so important, especially in the realm of religion, to, for men to, to understand that they are called to a, a role of leadership in religion. Um, God has made them the head of their family, and their primary role as head of the family is to lead their family members to salvation, to lead them to heaven. And they have to be conscious of that. And so if there's a group at their church where only men um, are, are members and where they get together and they defend the rights of our Lord Jesus Christ and where they expect it also to go out to their workplace and stand up for the honor of our Lord, to um, work for the rights of God and society uh, around them, then they will be very conscious of the fact that God calls them to be spiritual leaders, that, that religion is not just something for women, um, that they must take the lead in defending the rights of God. And meanwhile, of course, I mean, you know, it's, it's the same for the women. We, we, we have uh, as well an altar and rosary society that's it's only open to, to women and that corresponds to the feminine genius and um, provides them the scope for, for them to assist in promoting the honor of God in the way that, that God has made them to do so. You know, one of the, um, th this, is, this is one of the reasons why, one of the many reasons as well, why, why we don't have altar girls. Um, you know, it's just simply the will of God that, that men be the leaders in religious things. This is, this is I, I may say, a big T tradition. God, God has instituted a, a male priesthood. And one of the beautiful things that the Holy Name men do is that on that Holy Name Sunday, they themselves serve the Mass. So there's actually men on the altar, not just the altar boys, but the men on the altar serving our Lord in the Mass. So I, I hope you see how by, by having uh, a, a thriving Holy Name society here at St. Isidore's and by maintaining that authentic spirit of the Holy Name Society and, and having that, that small t tradition here, um, there are many benefits that come to us at St. Isidore's. Firstly, the, as I said, the, the sanctification of the men themselves. You men are sanctified. You, you must uh, remark how you are assisted in saving your own soul and accomplishing your primary duty in this life, of sanctifying your family through your participation in the Holy Name Society and to the degree that you are faithful to the obligations. Um, secondly, of course, you participate in promoting the honor and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ within your family and in the world. And thirdly, as I say, we maintain the big T tradition of the church by sort of incarnating 
this belief in the divinity of our Lord by having a society that's directed to the respect of his holy name. You reinforce your belief in his divinity. So let us pray today for our seven new members, uh, that they may be faithful to their obligation and also for the renewed fervor of the current members so that in the end, in all things, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be praised, adored, and glorified. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.